what's your biggest passion? What really gets you up in the morning and go, this is, these are the sort of things I want to work on. This is what I really want to carve out my niche. Mm. This is my niche. Mm. That's a good question. I, in terms of client work, so the, so PwC's purpose is to, is to solve important problems in society. And we get to do some of that work. Uh, which is awesome and it's very satisfying working with senior leadership teams and boards and people who have gnarly problems and, and we can provide new methods for that and, and helping people succeed um, as in clients is super important but it's just as important helping the team here succeed so uh, it's great when we see we've just a uh, couple of team members have gone overseas and worked at PwC, and that's awesome. They get to you know have their adventure, and we can enable that. So, and sometimes they feel bad, like they feel like we're they're leaving us, but it's not like that at all. It's it feels really good, you know, to to enable these guys to go over and work, and and uh, the same goes for a lot of the team here who get to work on stuff and grow. So, so helping clients solve important problems and then helping the team grow is the stuff that that um, that that really gets me going then if we can make it into a successful business that's good too so what would you say that success looks like for you if you were to sort of look back on your career in, in 20 years time or so mm. um, what would make you feel happy and fulfilled um so so those two things i think everybody wants to leave a legacy of some sort right mm -hmm. so um, that legacy might be a very, very successful digital and customer consultant business in PwC in New Zealand. It might be uh, making sure that because we're building this, this proposition globally to make that to, to be the leader globally, uh, it might be uh, a particular client problem that I don't know what it is yet that we get to tackle uh, and make a huge difference. We make difference in businesses every day uh, but there might be the, the sort of one in a ten year opportunity at some point in the next few years to, to, to make do something awesome um, yeah what is going on right now in the digital customer space and where is it headed? Um, I think and so our business has changed a lot since since just in the last four years since we joined here so the stuff that we do the acceptance of the importance of being customer-centric, um, using design thinking, those sort of things have matured uh, up to a much senior level, much more senior level in, in organisations. So we talk to boards about this, we talk to our CEOs about this, whereas five, six years ago we might be talking to sort of level three managers who are passionate about it. So the acceptance is there, so that's already... That's a long way ahead on the maturity curve. The things that are coming now that are adding to all that is uh, advanced data analytics. So how do organizations use data to improve how they do business or the experiences they deliver um, is, uh, is a huge thing. So, and then the extension of that is what will happen with artificial intelligence and machine learning and that's at the sort of the cusp and very low maturity at this point. Mm. A lot of people are talking about it, no one's really doing it, really. Uh, so, what's our role in that? And that's probably where the frontier is. So, yeah. yeah. What are those things are you sort of most excited about or most interested in? Uh, I'm look. So, so the whole team and me and this business has a real core in, in being human. So. Uh, how can we be very human and delivering to human needs 
using these new technologies that are coming through. That's probably that combo mm. is super exciting uh, and a little scary, uh, and we don't know quite how to do it. But that's cool. That's what's what you want to do if you want to. Uh, if you're someone who struggled to learn, so yeah. Are you worried at all about sort of the rise of artificial intelligence? Do you think there's enough regulation around it for it to be safe? Uh, there's almost no regulation around it. So, no, no. so, so, um, uh, so the the answer to is there enough regulation? Probably not. But events will force that. So the stuff that's happened with Facebook and uh, Cambridge Analytica. Uh, is it, you know, I don't know how much value Facebook lost over that, but mm -hmm. it's something like sixty billion dollars, right? Massive. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, the human and market forces will hopefully adjust some of that. Um, I know something like Elon Musk is worried about singularity and uh, where the you know the machines take over and they get smarter than we and you know start making their own decisions. Uh, I'm not personally particularly worried about it. Um, Partly because I think we're nowhere near that maturity level. It's very, it's all in the lab at the moment. I'm sure there'll be things we have to tackle on the way. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of that market forces will, will intervene. Uh, so, 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 human conscience and market forces yeah. will intervene, and they are doing that with things like Facebook. They will do that, I reckon, with Google mm. as well. Uh, and, uh, and and those players who 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 hold data on us. That they might not be that responsible about yeah. So, did the Cambridge, Cambridge Analytica scandal affect your team in any way? Not here. Uh, in the in the PwC world, it's big, right? It has to do with um, some of it has to do with undue influence by unauthorized parties on things like democracy. So, and since our purpose is to build trust and solve important problems in society, that's an important problem, right? So, um, and so how do you, how do you, how do you, how are you as good at combating that as the people, just like people like hackers have been in the past? This is, this is not hacking, this is using potentially legitimate means of capturing data but then using it in legitimate ways. What are, when the companies come to you with issues, you know, what do they come to you um, worried about for? They don't come uh, to talk to us about AI. If they do, they come with the wrong problem, mm. right? So if a company comes to us and says, uh, what should we do about AI? It's the same thing as companies coming to us and say, hey, should we build an app, right? So um, the question is, what's the problem you're solving, right? So is there a business problem? Is there a human problem? Is there an employee problem? Is there a customer problem? Or opportunity? So uh, we're a hypothesis-driven business, so we go, well, let's, what is the problem we're solving and what's the best way to solve that thing? Um, emerging technology can sit at the edge of this, so, um, uh, so there are organizations who do only AI and advanced analytics, and you might go, well, maybe we can use that technology to solve this problem, which we have in the past solved some other way. So there's a lot of efficiency to be had. So currently a lot of organizations use technology to automate processes. So it's called robotic process automation. It's it's basically bloomed in the last few years 
and, uh, and we do a lot of that for organization, but it's not AI yet. It's pretty dumb. It's basically just replicating the human process by using software. Uh, and um, But at, at some point soon, there'll be a tipping point where you can add some intelligence so to that process as well so which will be super super exciting so and but but to be honest certainly in New Zealand that's just beyond the edge at the moment I don't think anyone is particularly there's a lot of people saying they do it but I don't think so many people do <laughs> I think the start of that question really touches on a good thing of when a client comes to you you know um, with a problem it's not necessarily, um, or it comes to you with a question. You sometimes do have to question, like, oh, is that the right question? And um, it's part of the consulting process. Yeah. Is that something that you've learned once you've come to PwC, or is that always something that you sort of held as an ethos? Um, yeah, so, so uh, we've been doing that from optimal days now into PwC, and it's a, it's a core of consulting. You're right. So... It basically goes, well, are you asking the right question, right? And, um, and sometimes um, they are and sometimes they're not. Sometimes there's a variant or, or sometimes the question's bigger than the one they're asking. Um, that's, that often happens because someone in the business ends up owning a part of a problem. So, so they go, uh, our customer feedback in this part of the business is really bad. Can you help us solve that problem? So, well, actually... There's an underlying technology problem that you've got, or a cultural problem, or you have really shit processes. Mm. Uh, so, so you need to probably need to elevate that question. And sometimes that's viewed if a consultant says that, as viewed as you're just trying to upsell me or sell me more. But as a well, we can help you solve that that problem you brought to us by you probably just treating symptoms, as opposed to the root cause. So, yeah. Yeah. Finding that systematic or like the f driving down to the fundamentals of true change, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't go to a doctor and and say that oh, I've got a I've got a sore arm, and they just put a cast on you straight away. They've got to figure out exactly what the problem is before exactly the solution. There's sometimes often the problem with the person that's asking the question. Um. Like yeah. Look. Yeah. This. 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 Yeah. That sometimes the problem is, and, and if that's the case, they probably don't see it themselves. So sometimes the person who brings the problem is part of the problem. It's probably quite common. Um, and then we have to use techniques of, uh, of unpacking that somehow. Yeah. Tough conversation from there, but. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, that's what makes this exciting, right? Mm -hmm. So we go, well, actually, there's a real underlying. Cultural problem, or you are just afraid of change, or whatever the whatever the reason is. So that's what makes this an interesting job. Yeah. How how do you present something really tough like that, especially when it's maybe a problem with the person that you're directly in communication with, mm -hmm. kind of like, hey, there's a culture problem, and we're going to need you to change, or we really yeah. need you to work on this. How do you go about having that conversation in a constructive way? Um. So there's a couple of a couple of things to, to the answer to that. One of them is often these organisations come to us because we we can credibly have that tough conversation. So um, it's not uh, it's, if if they go and get a, an independent consultant and who doesn't have 
a global brand uh, backing them, the, um, the answer might not be valued in the same way. So that's one part of the answer. Um, the other part of the answer is the way we work and my business and the team here is uh, we co-create answers. And so basically at the end of the day when we present back the answer is not really our answer. We're just playing back the answer you've come up with together with us. So, so uh, and sometimes it's confronting but it's not often that someone goes, I don't believe that. Uh, I think you got it all wrong because it's it was a it was a collaborative process to start with. So yeah, yeah they're on my they've accepted it because they've they've come pretty much come up with it themselves. You're just yeah. packing packaging it in a way that offers a solution as well with it. Yeah, and the process is designed to drive alignment on what the problem is and what the solutions might be. So uh, yeah, so that's that is a, that's central to design thinking. So um, to open people, open people's minds and apertures to to new solutions to things. So yeah. How often is it the process, a company process, that's the problem? So um, if I look at it from a sales start point of view, a lot of the time companies won't have a sales process, mm -hmm. or if they do have a sales process, it's not effective. No one follows it. Mm. it just sits in the shelf. Um, so obviously there's there's more aspects to what you guys do. So how often um, would it be simply a process? Uh, almost never, right? So there's there's almost always a human element uh, which might encapsulate culture or a bad experience or something like that. And then there is a process part or a business part and the, the business part might be more than process. It might be that objectives and KPIs are not clear uh, the, the, the business division is not clear often in New Zealand businesses strategy isn't that clear so it's, it's lots of clarity on all the projects that go on in the business and it's pretty clear on where the business is heading in terms of the vision but the strategy in between is often lacking so which means there's no line of sight why am I doing the stuff I'm doing so so there's that and then there's technology so uh, and you can apply technology to improve or remove a process um, or speed it up or make it easier or a better experience. But uh, in my opinion, uh, technology is the last thing you do. So there'll be people in this business who will disagree with me. So, But um, you start either with the business problem or the experience problem. Yeah. And then you figure out how to use technology to change the process. Yeah. Mm. So to the, the, the technology is the final tool that go towards the human side of it. Yes. Yeah. Human business. So um so in fact that is our main go to market plank. So we say you need to at the same time figuring out the business needs or the process and the experience and the culture and the technology. You have to do all those things simultaneously and uh, if you can't then then it's probably going to fall over. The, the, the only one you can leave for a bit is potentially technology, but to get efficiency, you have to eventually technology enable and use some data. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, people that come through when you're looking at building your team, um, what's something that people always need to have? And also an extension to that, what's also something that you feel that more people would ever really need to actually work to upskill themselves? Sure. There's not enough people yeah. with skills in that area. 
Yeah, so what we need in terms of skills varies. So at the moment, for example, we are in the market looking for people who have good design skills, actual design skills, or graphic designers, digital designers. Uh, and we're also looking for digital strategists. So, But that varies from time to time. We need researchers, sometimes we need data scientists, sometimes and so on, right? So, so the skills um, we would interview and we would test for to make sure they have the skills required. Um, they need the skills required to uh, be able to learn fast enough when they get there, right? So there's this sort of a, it's like a hygiene level of skill or technical capability that they need. Um, but um, we have a very uh, involved recruitment process that tests that they're gonna be um, a fit when they get in here, so the chemistry is super important. So, um, because there's nothing worse than hiring people who are bad fit, uh, and it's very hard to reverse, uh, and it's very um, can be very damaging to a culture. So, um, as as just as an example, if we hire someone, it doesn't matter what level. So I went through it. Everybody in this business has gone through it, including interns who come in. Uh, they at the, the very last step in the process, they have to present to our whole team, uh, and they get basically, they present on something they're passionate about, and then we, we Q&A them, and, and it's not to test their, their uh, uh, technical ability, because they wouldn't have got there if they didn't have it, is to test whether or not we think they'll be fit uh, in the team. And um, with sort of once people enter, how do you continue to grow those skills? Um, so we have a, a, a bunch of, um, mechanisms in place and um, when you first come in here you get a buddy someone to basically just land you in here uh, we have um, a, a quite a structured coaching um, process so everybody has a, uh, a coaching manager and so someone who's more senior than who basically helps them succeed uh, I also see everybody at least quarterly and so there's this there's, there's quite a uh, there's quite a uh, involved process around that um, but to be honest when you get in here the number one thing we want you to do is get in any project with people who have done this more than you uh, and just learn right and and you'll very quickly because that's the only way some sweaty palms do some do get amongst some stuff uh, and just try things say yes often you know if someone says can you help me with this I don't know what it is but I'm gonna I'm going to say yes because I want to just try stuff. So, and the people who succeed is a is a is a a level of curiosity and wanting to try stuff um, that that will take you a long way. So, mm. um, yeah. So, where you you definitely want people who are open up to all of these are really open to new opportunity or new opportunities and new um, experiences. Mm. With the experiences before you hire them, mm. what sort of tells do you look for and what they've done before and you go, oh, this person's done all this sort of stuff. What are some of the key things you really want people to try it out? Um, there is no formula. So um, we will test for if we're specific skills. So if someone is applying to be a designer, uh, it's easy. Just send us your um, your portfolio, and we'll have a look, and we'll make an assessment. As do are you? Do you have the chops, right? Uh, if you are here to be an interaction designer or a UX researcher or something like that, it's harder. So we need to then interview them and uncover 
are they just saying it or they can they actually do it right so in that the test there is different at different levels so uh, um, you might be straight out of uni and you've done a bit of UX design but you're passionate about it and you understand the fundamentals will hire you uh, if we hire you at a senior level you need to be able to show demonstrate real jobs to, to have where you've made a real difference um, so uh, so we will, we will try and uncover depending on the level and the skill we need do you have, do you have it uh, but the only real thing that we and that's non-negotiable is that you're going to be in fitness team and feel comfortable because uh, it's this old saying right you are high end on the skill and you're fired on the fit right so um, uh, and we trade off a bit of skill because we back ourselves to be able to train most things probably not design but most other things um, uh, but we can't change who you are fundamentals. Yeah. A bit of a quest to find something out, right, that you might yeah. repeat all the time. We've talked about that a lot, whether we hone into sort of um, what our sort of target audience might want and go really down the path of yeah. a 22-year-old leaving university, not really sure how to make it in business, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, when we sit down with someone, we just want to know about them. So, I think that's cool, right? That's, but you can have you can do both, right? Yeah. So you, you might have a sharp end. So we talk um, skills here, we talk about T's. You have these sort of wide things. Just talk to people about them and just interesting stuff. But you have this stick on the T, which is basically going, we are always going to dive into a particular question. So what are the things? How do I, how can I be successful in your business, right? To find out what is... What is what are the ingredients to succeed? I don't know, but but you know, yeah, have to figure that stuff okay. out. But you can do both, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, drilling right down. And and to, but every time, so that you start getting. So um, we work here. We work with a guy. Um, it's called Andrew Meckle. You can look him. He does does a few. Um, he's a high performance um, coach. Is not great. He's a high performance researcher. Right, so his whole career, he was a professional ironman in Australia, you know, the one with the paddle and run on the beach and stuff. And he was always coming eighth. Right, so he, he tried different diets, still came eighth. He had more protein, came eighth, more carbs, blah, 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 train harder, train less, could, could never fit. So he was like frustrated trying to figure out how do I, how, what does high performance mean? Because it's always the same people winning. And they, they eat the same as me, they train as much as me, da, da, da. Yeah. And uh, so he started interviewing, a bit like what you do. He started interviewing. He has the biggest database of high-performance interviews in the world. So he has interviewed people from, you know, Juilliard School of Music, from Navy SEALs to um, Doctors Without Borders to the last five samurais in the world to all these people. And he's trying to figure out what is it that make these people so successful. What's what does high performance mean? Mm. And he has a framework, and now we're implementing it here. But he has awesome stories. Right? And how, what it was what was it like to interview the last samurais, right? And uh, he tells a story sitting down for two hours. The guy only spoke Japanese, and every five to ten minutes, um, the samurai would smack him in the mouth, and he wouldn't. He almost fell off his chair every time. And he tried to keep going, and in the end. The lesson he was teaching this guy, the samurai was just about distraction. So if you can manage distractions, you're winning, 
right? So they had like five different types of distractions and how to manage them. And they were basically just constantly, over two hours, about five, six times, properly smacked them in the mouth, so, you know? Yeah, and, and so, 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 but he was, so his thing was always, what is high performance? And what are the elements that drive high performance? Your question will be a different one, but you might have one that you can go, well, we want to, we want to, there are three things we always want to ask, fine to have conversations with people, right? But, yeah. yeah. Cool, yeah. I think we can do that. Yeah. Something more more than we have been. Yeah. For sure. It's definitely around aspiration, right? Like what, as somebody who's between maybe 17 and 23 or something. Yes. What do I need? Like, what should I be doing? Yeah. What are some things? What are, What do I need to keep an eye on? Skills. What? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, what are people looking for? And it's like, in your respect, what are you yeah. looking for in people? Yeah. Um, what did you do? Yes. So it would yep. be probably questions around that, wouldn't yeah. it? And like, mm. yeah, that kind of time period. Yeah. In relation to that. I think that's good. And I think um, some people will want to hear that it doesn't matter. Right? Like, you just, as long as you're curious and you're willing to try stuff yeah. and, you know, put yourself out there and don't be afraid of, you know, being curious, then um, that's exactly the sort of thing that people want to hear. Don't worry about it, you know. Yeah. Like, that's what I say to Sean and Sophia too. Like, just, you should study because it learn it teaches you how to think, but, but it doesn't really matter what you study and they hate that. <laughs> yeah, well, I did, uh, and so we had a, an event up here for AUT design students and they came in and said oh, you know I'm, I'm really trying to do this work I'm trying to you know get these grades and I'm saying how important are the grades and so we don't actually care which they <laughs> which they hate right it's yeah. like they really hate it it's like you completed it awesome yeah. right uh, and you've have you got the chops yes we're going to see how, how well you fit into that to our environment that's it yeah, I guess for five years I've been told by everybody that they need to do well, they need to study hard, they need to get good grades, and then you get told by someone who is sure. actually matters. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with same thing with high school, right? So yeah. if you made it into university, then you doesn't matter, right? Unless you went to a school where the people care, right? But most people don't. Yeah. No one cares what grade you have. Yeah. No one cares what you're going to see. Each new step just erases the The, the previous one, yeah. yeah. So, so, which means that, especially today, with the, the way of working is changing so fast, that I've, we've hired a lot of people who are in sort of mid-20s, early 20s, who have just gone and joined the startup for a bit, you know, and, and, and worked for almost nothing, right? But... So that, and, and then we test, have they got the hygiene skills that we need? Yes. Will they fit into the team? Yes. And then they're, right? So you don't have to um, become, you don't have to join us in internal peer review. It's, it's, it's one way of getting in the book. And you're the perfect example of that as well. Oh, so building, building up companies outside and yeah. Yeah, moving into the organization. The number of people, so the last grad we hired, Ben, who just joined here, um, He's got a degree in our space, and um, he found us and just reached out, and and uh, and, and he, he was not part of the grad program. So we we shoehorned them in because it makes sense. You get as a part of a grad program, you get all sorts of you just them to Melbourne on this grad induction and all that sort of stuff. So he gets to do that stuff, but it's not how he came in. He came in here because. 
this is what he wanted to do and he wanted to do it here. 